Hello and welcome to the Football Weekly Podcast. Today we're going to talk about PSG and their slip against Lille as Lille now have a three-point advantage over the Parisians as Jonathan David's only goal separated the two sides at the Parc des Princes. We're also going to cover some Premier League action as West Bromwich Albion put five past Chelsea. We saw Kevin De Bruyne put yet another masterclass in the Premier League as uh, Manchester City secured a 2-0 victory over Leicester at the King Power Stadium. We're also going to talk about Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool as they secured a 3-0 victory away at the Emirates Stadium against Arsenal as Diogo Jota went on to the score sheet twice in the second half, putting two past Bern Leno. We're also going to talk about La Liga as uh, Real Madrid won 3-0 against 2-0, I'm sorry, against Eibar. We saw Real Sociedad uh, get a 1-0 victory over Athletic Bilbao in the Copa del Rey final, which was supposed to be played last season. We're also going to talk about some Serie A action as the Torino derby ended in a 2-0 draw and Inter Milan secured a 1-0 victory over Bologna. But we start in Germany as Borussia Dortmund hosted Eintracht Frankfurt in the Signal Iduna Park in the Bundesliga. Borussia Dortmund are very behind in the Bundesliga table in the race in, to get into the top four, never mind challenging Bayern Munich for the Bundesliga title. They secured a 1-2-1 loss against Eintracht Frankfurt as Andre Silva's goal at the very end separated the two sides. It was not a very good go- uh, it, it was not a very good game for Borussia Dortmund and their fans as well because uh, Erling Haaland, I think he had one chance and it was uh, straight at uh, Kevin Trapp. I think it was great reading from Kevin Trapp. But the first goal, uh, Philip Kostic again this season has been absolutely tremendous for Eintracht Frankfurt on that left-hand side. He's been a pivotal player for the Serbian national team as well over the international break as we saw. But for Eintracht Frankfurt, he is the guy who's providing so many passes towards the uh, 18-yard box for Andre Silva to finish them. And that's what he did. He had that ball towards uh, a looping ball, actually, towards uh, Luka Jovic, which was not very well dealt with Lu- Nico Schulz. The ball ballooned from his head and it was uh, ballooned into the back of the net, actually. And Marvin Hitz had no chance uh, to cover it. So that was 1-0. The second goal, it was a very well-crafted goal by Emre Chan. It was a corner taken. Emre Chan chested it towards the path of uh, Matt Hommels' boots. And there was 1-1 before half-time. And then we thought that, you know, if... Borussia Dortmund had to get back into the title race as they had already lost two points against Cologne uh, uh, just before the international break. I thought this is going to be their chance to actually put those misery to bed and actually prove uh, to all the other teams in the Bundesliga that why they are so much frightened by the other by, by a lot of clubs in Europe right now. And you know. It didn't come out to place, you know, Eintracht Frankfurt had a goal disallowed for offside, but uh, it could have very well been in their favour as well, because he was just one or two inches ahead of the defence. I don't remember who the guy was who scored that goal, but again, it was a cross from Philip Kostic who who caused that goal to happen. Uh, And in the end, it was uh, Andre Silva there who was waiting for that ball to come and it was terrible defending by Mahmoud Dahoud and as well as from Manuel Akanji on that far side and Philip Kostic actually made a meal of it and 
put that ball into the 18-yard box, found the header of Andre Silva, and there it was 2-1 to you guys later. And it was a terrible display of uh, defending from uh, Borussia Dortmund at the end. As I said, Erling Holland had a chance, but it was very tight, and Marby and actually Kevin Trapp did really well to gather the ball cleanly. Again, I think. Uh, Borussia Dortmund are very, very far away from uh, getting into the top four of the Bundesliga as I don't see actually Wolfsburg or Eintracht Frankfurt dropping out of the, the top four just yet because, uh, you know, they have a broad daylight between those two teams. Uh, again, you know, they, those two teams, Eintracht Frankfurt and Wolfsburg, they have been really, really good in their own respects and now that because the gap has been so much swollen, I think it's going to be much difficult for Borussia Dortmund, given that they're going to play in the Champions League away to Manchester City at the weekend. You know, Eintracht Frankfurt are seven points ahead of Borussia Dortmund at this point in time. They also have to uh, clear the gap between them and Gladbach because Borussia Mönchengladbach, they are four points behind uh, Leverkusen and Borussia Dortmund at this point in time. And this might very well be the case that uh, Borussia Dortmund neither qualify for the Champions League nor the Europa League this season. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the Champions League anyway. So, you know, they have to be very much certain about themselves and what their game plan is, what their roadmap is going ahead into this season. Uh, I, don't th I don't see them actually playing out a miraculous game in the Champions League against Manchester City because Manchester City, they are on a completely different level. You know, if you ask Mark Rosa, you ask all the Borussia Mönchengladbach players because they were completely schooled out in Hungary in the Champions League game. You ask Leicester City, you know, we're going to cover that as well. But, you know, to to play Manchester City is going to be a different ball game because you are not getting past Eintracht Frankfurt at this moment in time. And in Terzic, I think he's not going to be uh, completely. He's not going to be having a very big job at the end of the season as well because he was an interim coach and he's not really done his job right now because he, yeah, the result against Sevilla was good, but you know they completely blew it off in the end because uh, there were some very good chances for Yusuf Al Nasri in that game as well, but. But focusing on the uh, Bundesliga right now, I think they're not going to get into the top four. I think they finish sixth. I think one between Gladbach and Bayer Leverkusen does overtake them because, uh, you know, Peter Bosch is a yet another experienced coach. There is uh, Marco Rosa from Gladbach. He will try and get Gladbach ahead as, as long as he is the manager of Borussia Mönchengladbach and a big big question mark rises over the future of Erling Haaland as I think he might just leave this summer because it is in the best interest of Borussia Dortmund because next season he has a release clause of 75 million. That suits Erling Haaland and I don't, I don't, I don't think he realises that because it, that really suits him because then he has got a clear view of where he needs to go because he will have teams who will be interested in getting that 75 million release clause uh, uh, from from their from their point of view, because there is uh, Paris Saint Germain, there is Barcelona in the talk. He met uh, Florentino Perez, I guess, and, and the Real Madrid support staff as well. He's gonna tour London as well. So Mino Raiola has uh, every plan in his place. But right now, I think uh, he will leave because next season they will get seventy five million. But this season they can't just double the amount of. Uh, 
amount of cash that they might generate from Erling Haaland and uh, you know that might be the best interest of everyone who are right now playing for Borussia Dortmund and the Bodrum as well because they might just need to sell one between Jadon Sancho and Erling Haaland. I think Jadon Sancho is going to go because he will enter the final year of his deal next season. So, you know, who knows, you know, I'm I'm actually telling and if I'm Borussia Dortmund, I'm actually trying to sell him because uh, that is what lies in the best interest of the team. If I'm Erling Haaland, I try and stay at Borussia Dortmund because that does not hinder my progress as a very top-class centre-forward because you will get so many opportunities in the Bundesliga and actually playing with Borussia Dortmund because they play with such a high tempo, I think they are very much in the in the vicinity of being a good team next season again with a very good coach in Marco Rosa. So I believe he might just stay. He should stay if if you're thinking from Erling Haaland's point of view. But if you're if you're uh, if you're Borussia Dortmund, you try and sell him this summer because you'll get a big amount for him. Not if you get into the Champions League. I repeat, but if you don't get into the Champions League, I think you sell him off because you might get 150 million uh, or the amount that you desire for Erling Haaland. So we had yet another big game in Germany as Bayern Munich made a trip to the Red Bull Arena to face RB Leipzig. It ended in a 1-0 victory for Bayern Munich and I think now the title race is is very much over now in Germany as Bayern Munich have opened a 7-point deficit in front of uh, RB Leipzig and them. And now I think that... Uh, they might be more cautious in going into the Champions League games as well because now they will try and be more pragmatic. They will not be as, compl as complacent as they were in the last few seasons in the Champions League. Not to count last season, but the seasons before that because last season they were completely on a different level. But uh, as I said, you know, yesterday the goal from uh, Leon Goretzka separated the two sides and... It was a brilliantly crafted goal from uh, Joshua Kimmich and uh, Thomas Muller. A brilliant ball over the top from uh, Joshua Kimmich. Found the feet of Thomas Muller. Not a good first touch, but then that uh, brilliant layoff for Leon Goretzka and that emphatic finish from Leon Goretzka made it 1-0. Um, it was interesting to see how they set up and they set up in a 4-2-3-1 again. They played Thomas Muller where he needs to be playing. They played Kingsley Coman and Leroy Sané and rested Serge Gnabry, which I think is the right move. You play two out of Gnabry, Sané and Coman in your starting eleven, And that's what he did. He played Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting uh, as a centre-forward, which I don't think is the right way to go forward. I would have actually played Jamal Musiala in the place of Thomas Muller and Thomas Muller in the place of Robert Lewandowski. I would have shuffled it in that way. But, uh, you know, Eric Maxim Choupo-Moting gives them some other dimensions and that what we see saw yesterday. But yeah, you know, Leipzig, you know, they could have won that game. You know, they had just two shots on target, actually, to, to be fair. And Danny Olmo had a very good chance in the second half. I think second half, uh, Leipzig with the far... Far, far better Leipzig, you know, than Bayern Munich, actually. And the midfield actually were, was really very good, with the Marcel Sabitzer being excellent, absolutely excellent. The two shots on target were, by the way, from Marcel Sabitzer outside of the box, you know. The first one, a regulation save for Manuel Neuer, and the second one, he had to really stretch his, uh, stretch his palms to get... Uh, 
at the fingertip towards the ball and send it over the crossbar. It was a very good strike and I think Marcel Savitzer is going to be leaving the club at the end of this season and joining a very good team in the Premier League. I think Premier League teams are going to scout Marcel Savitzer and one of them is going to snatch him up for the next season. And uh, to, to actually talk about this game, I think... RB Leipzig were not particularly ready in the final third. They played Emil Forsberg, uh, Christopher Nkunku and Danny Olmo, three attacking midfielders. They're not Manchester City, you know. You know, the the quality differs from Manchester City. So, you know, it's it was actually inevitable for me that they're not going to score goals. But if they're going to score, it's going to be very much fascinating to watch how they score. They put in Justin Clivert uh, at... Uh, after the after the first half and he actually made a lot of difference and I actually wonder why is he not playing for the Netherlands national team and why is Frank de Boer not calling him up for the internationals but uh, that's some other topic to ponder upon and you know Emil Forsberg didn't have the best of the first half and so he was substituted and rightly so I think uh, the back three was uh, decent but I am not so sure that you should be playing Lucas Klosterman on that left-hand side because he's not as good as a defender when he plays on the left-hand side than he is on the right-hand side. They played Willy Orban ahead of Ibrahima Konate and yeah you know there was uh, Dio Upamecano as well but you know they had a decent game apart from that only uh, goal from Leon Goretzka. The uh, Bayern Munich even had a chance with uh, with Leroy Sane, you know, that first touch was, again, brilliant. And then that finish as well. But it was really tiptoed by tiptoed by Peter Gulacci in the Leipzig goal as well. But, you know, it was a fascinating game to watch. Just one goal, but uh, a really good game. You know, the quality was actually actually of, uh, of top class. And, you know, the way Leipzig played in the second half, I think they deserved a goal. But they didn't get it. Danny Olmo actually had a very good chance, as I mentioned earlier, and he should have put it in the back of the net. And it was actually the the fear, or should I say, the aura around Bayern Munich, the pressure of playing against Bayern Munich, that does allow you to have those stupid decisions as well. He put that chance wide, and it was such a very good chance. He couldn't dispatch it and I was actually very crestfallen at that point in time. He had another chance before that and it was uh, due to the mistake of uh, Nicolas Sula who actually, you know, I, I didn't realise what he was trying to do at that point in time. He completely wrong-footed himself. Danny Olmo got the ball and he hit the side netting. He actually chose to go for the near corner where he should have actually targeted the far post which was very tight at that point in time and Manuel Neuer would have actually made the save, who knows. But uh, yeah, again, a goal from uh, Leon Goretzka separated the two sides and it is over. I would like to see a lot of Alex Soloth and uh, Josef Poulsen in the uh, in the starting lineup of RB Leipzig because, because they are very lightweight going forward. They have very good players, but they are very lightweight going forward. And... Again, a very good season for RB Leipzig and Julian Nagelsmann. I will be very much surprised if he stays yet another season at RB Leipzig because he will be called up by a lot of big clubs in Europe, I think. There will be calls from Italy as well if Andrea Pirlo just squanders his season with Juventus this time around. I think he might not be the man to take them to the next level. The type of football that he's 
that he wants them to play. But, you know, Julian Nagelsmann can surely be the man there. But uh, And again, in the Premier League as well, I don't see him uh, joining any of the top six clubs right now because I think Mikel Arteta and Arsenal have a very big project in front of him. Um, I don't see him taking the place of Jurgen Klopp, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Thomas Tuchel and as a matter of fact, even from Pep Guardiola as well, Jose Mourinho is on a very is uh, on a very big contract, so he might not even go to Tottenham Hotspur as well. So there might be some question marks regarding his future with RB Leipzig, but I think he's going to manage a very big club in the near future. And again, a goal from Leon. Goal Retzka, as Thomas Muller mentioned in an interview with the ESPN. I'm a bit, I'm being a bit cocky there, but you know, it's Thomas Muller and it's allowed in that, in in that sense. So off we go to France in the French capital of Paris as Lille broke the Parisian hearts again, and it was Neymar who stole the show, not for his play but for his, uh, you know. That that was completely stupid what he did to Diego Jalo because that was unnecessary, stupid, childish and juvenile behaviour from Neymar. A player who has got such an incredible talent, you would not expect him to do this. But, you know, talking about the entire game, it was a 4-4-2 which uh, Lille actually adopted in the, for the majority of the season. And they played a really good brand of football and they were very compact uh, in 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 the defense because they had two of their best defenders playing again as Jose Font was fit they played Sven Botman uh, instead of Thiago Jalo Thiago Jalo played at right back because Celik the Turkish right back was not fit for this game and you know it was a decent game from them the goal came off from a very good pass from Renato Sanchez in the path of Icone and he just put it on a plate for Jonathan David who is by the way the best Canadian player this season in Europe I'm sorry Alfonso Davis but yeah that's the reality and he put it on a plate again for Jonathan David he took his shot he was in a lot of space around him and he took his shot it was deflected from Presnel Kimpembe and boom it goes in the back of the net 1-0 to Lille and then we are cooking because Lille have a very very strong defense I think Jose Font, Swen Botman they have done really well Andre in the middle of the park is they're very good solid defensively and they're very very hard to break down and that's what we saw you know Neymar was nowhere to be seen he was trying tricks and everything but it was not coming to coming to his desired plan he had a word with Sven Botman and it didn't went to plan in that second half. That was completely unnecessary what he did at the start of the second half. He had some very good chances. I think Kylian Mbappe had the best chance for Paris Saint-Germain where it was saved by the Lille goalkeeper. And then again Neymar had a chance from outside the box where again forced the goalkeeper to make a tremendous save. But in all, if you're going to the Allianz Arena to play Bayern Munich, you're not going off such a terrible performance. I think uh, Maurizio Pochettino's def decision to actually play uh, Neymar for such a long period of time there in such a high caliber game, a game which, it, which does mean a lot in terms of how the title race will be shaped up, shaped up going in towards the end of the league on season. You don't do that. I mean, he was not match fit and that is understandable. You know, 
that is an excuse because he hasn't played for two months. You know, he was out before that game against Barcelona in the new camp. He got injured uh, in that League Cup game against Sean. And he was, and there was no business in actually having him to play the whole 90 minutes. And, you know, it was completely childish and it was not necessary. Now they go into the game against Strasbourg, which is going to be easy game for Paris Saint-Germain, let's be honest. And, you know, they should be going there and to play Strasbourg and should be actually putting five, six goals past them. But, you know, that's not how football works, you know. This is going to be, again, a huge pressurized game because now if they drop any points, it's just going to create a huge gap in between them and Lille. And Lille, I think, look very strong going forward. Uh, uh, going forward in this season, not actually going forward. They're not particularly good going on the break. But yeah, you know, they are very much in the in the conversation to win the league title i still think it's going to be paris saint germain because if they lose against bayern munich they have the quality to actually show the league the the, the french league that they are of a completely different level the team is made of a completely different personality right now and i think they 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 missed a golden opportunity going into this Bayern Munich game and at the Allianz Arena who knows what's going to happen because the high line of Bayern Munich as they call it it's it's completely suicidal and now with uh, Jaron Boateng actually being fit and actually being very much fresh for that game it's going to add a, a a very big dilemma to this game because now they're going to have Pavard Kim Pavard and Alfonso Davies as fullbacks and Boateng and Alaba as the centre backs, and I don't know how it's a, how is it going to be um, effective against uh, the pacey forwards of uh, Paris Saint Germain. I think that uh, Maurizio Pochettino is going to play Neymar for this game as well, and you know it's a it's it's a it's a sword which is going to cut you on the both on on both the sides because you know. If you don't play Neymar and you lose, there are going to be a hell of a critics who are going to point fingers at Maurizio Pochettino over that decision. And if Neymar plays and he's been terrible as he was against Lille, there are again going to be guys who are going to be pointing fingers at uh, Maurizio Pochettino. So, you know, he has to make some decisions. He has to have a word with Neymar over what was going on in that game. And, you know, for uh, for the for that red card for Thiago Jallo, I don't know why the red card was given. I actually don't know, and I and I actually hope that the red card is been withdrawn. I don't think it's a it's a possibility, but I hope that it's withdrawn because Thiago Jallo, I didn't think he deserved the yellow, red card. And by the way, what a ter- terrific game that he had on that right hand side. He he was not particularly good going forward, but I think it was a good, it was a good managerial decision and a good tactical decision to keep him as a right-sided, as 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 the right-sided defender, or should I say, a, a third centre back in that, uh, in that Lille defence because there was Kylian Mbappe running at him and he did really well against Kylian Mbappe yesterday. So, cheers to Thiago Jallo and I'm very sorry for him, but you know. Uh, Big, big let-off for Paris Saint-Germain and now they have to climb the table up to get the Liga title back into their cabinet. So now we move to Italy where Inter faced Bologna in their Serie A game and, you know, they made a very hard work and very hard toil of that game which was away at Bologna. 
uh, they were lucky enough to get that goal, but you know, wasted a lot of chances in this game. Uh, Romelu Lukaku, the guy who scored the goal uh, from a very good pass, very good cross from the left hand side, he hit the goal, he hit the ball with his head and it ricocheted off the goalkeeper onto the post and fell onto the feet of uh, Romelu Lukaku, who then tapped it in off the line. And it was really, really a very lucky goal for them, but you know, a very 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 wasteful in front of goal and you know they open up a very very huge gap at the top of the table and I think it's really really inevitable that they're gonna lose this title from here on and as for Juventus I mean that was terrible against Torino and what is Andrea Pirlo trying to do I'm not really sure what is going on in Juventus because they got the goal and by the way Federico Chiesi was menacing in that uh, first half there he created a lot he created a lot of opportunities for himself and that finish was really really exquisite from him but uh, you know he that the thing that happened in that in that period was completely unacceptable you know the first goal it was a good save from Szczesny and then it ballooned over and it was uh, it was Antonio Sanabrio got on the ball and finished it. Uh, he got a second goal as well. It was a terrible pass from uh, Dejan Kulusevski, a terrible back pass. Again, it's happened to him. It happened against Lazio as well before that Porto game in the Champions League. And again, it happened and it was Antonio Sanabria yet again who weaved through that defence of Juventus and planted that ball in the back of the net. But it was it was probably a bit easier for Szczesny and he could have saved it but I think he got a hand to it and then the ball actually blashed onto the back of the net but yeah again I think Juventus played really poorly in that game they were lucky enough to get that Cristiano Ronaldo goal because he was completely getting into an offside position and he was caught with the ball when he was onside and it was really 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 very lucky for Juventus on that occasion they got the uh, uh, they got a point. They have, they are level on points with Napoli, I guess, and they are two points behind Atalanta, who are third. They are fourth in the Serie A right now, and they have a huge battle in front of themselves to get into the top four, or, or should I say, to remain in the top four because it's getting very, very difficult. It's becoming a very hard toil. By the way, you know everyone who's saying Cristiano Ronaldo is finished because this is really hurting my heart, and you know. Cristiano Ronaldo's finished. The only guy who scored more goals than Ronaldo this season, this entire season, is Robert Lewandowski. No one has scored more goals than Ronaldo. If your name is not Robert Lewandowski, sure. So you know what? Well, Ronaldo's finished. It's just a myth. Now we move on to Spain, where we saw Real Madrid register a two-nil victory over over Eibar at the Alfredo Di Stefano Stadium and again it was not particularly good and by the way Sergio Ramos he's been injured yet again and my goodness Luis Enrique how can you play Sergio Ramos in the final four minutes against Kosovo was he asking you to give him yet another cap I don't know but why did you play him against Kosovo of all teams in the final four minutes I'm really flabbergasted over his decision there 
And you know what? He's missed another Champions League game. And we're going to screw it yet another time. I look at this as a very glaring opportunity for Liverpool to get into Madrid and just plant goals for fun. Because you look at the results without Sergio Ramos and they are staggering. And I mean staggering for Real Madrid. Because three years ago, they played Juventus in a game at... In, in Madrid, where there were three nil up, three away goals in Turin. You remember that freakish goal from Cristiano Ronaldo, that freakish overhead kick. And it was three nil in Torino. And then they came to Madrid. It was three nil and it was terrible from Real Madrid. I think they played Jesus Vallejo in that game. And it was completely, it was completely bizarre to actually see Real Madrid getting collapsed so, so much in their own home ground. And the fans were booing them so much that it was completely getting completely getting out of control for the Real Madrid players and even for Zinedine Zidane. They were saved in the stoppage time because uh, Ronaldo hit a penalty uh, after a tremendous, tremendous drama created by Gigi Buffon and the other guys because there was a penalty due to a foul on Lucas Vazquez. Uh, you know, they completely bottled that lead against Ajax and, you know, no shame in going out to Ajax. Ajax were a very good side at that point in time under Eric Ten Hag. They were very good players playing for Ajax at that point in time, who are right now playing in big clubs in Europe right now. So, you know, they bottled that lead, 2-1 lead, which they acquired in Amsterdam without Sergio Ramos. And there, you know, Varane was completely clueless of what he should do. Last season against Paris Saint-Germain in the Parc des Princes, they completely... It was a complete debacle. They lost 3-0 to Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, again, in the, in the round of 16, Rafael Varane did a complete meal of what was required of him. He completely was at the heart of the disaster which happened in Manchester at the Etihad Stadium with two glaring mistakes which caused the two goals and Madrid lost 2-1 in that game. This season as well against Shakhtar Donetsk. They were completely out of sorts without Sergio Ramos. I'm not saying Sergio Ramos is the GOAT of defenders. I'm not saying Sergio Ramos is the best defender on this planet. But the thing is, Sergio Ramos makes the team better. Sergio Ramos makes players around him better. Sergio Ramos makes Rafael Varane into prime, prime GOAT defender. You know... Rafael Varane without Sergio Ramos and with Sergio Ramos is a completely different player. You know, the way Casemiro plays with Sergio Ramos in the team is completely different. And with without Sergio Ramos in the team is, you know, it's, it's a different story because he's done really well this season. But generally, in these big games, you need Sergio Ramos. He's a big game player. And now, yet, yet again, he's injured and they have opened a void there. I believe it's going to be Nacho with Varane because I'm not playing Eder Militao. Eder Militao, he was so nervy in that game against Eibar yesterday. He should have kicked the ball away two or three times. But then again, he's trying to play out from the back and you can't do it with this Real Madrid side. It's not Real Madrid of the old, the glory Real Madrid. It is a Real Madrid who are in transition, who don't have a very strong squad right now to compete at the highest level and you, you know what Eder Militao was trying I don't know actually what Eder Militao was trying to do by the way so I'm not playing him end of story it's going to be uh, 
and by the way, you know, Danny Carvajal, when are you going to come back fit? You know, I'm waiting for you. And Lucas Vazquez, I think, is going to start alongside uh, alongside Nacho Fernandez, uh, Rafael Varane and, and Furlan Mendy in the back four. It's going to be Toni Kroos, Luka Modric and Casemiro in the midfield and Asensio, Vinicius and Benzema in the final third. I think uh, that's going to be the starting lineup against Liverpool. If it is something else, then, you know, it's it's your own risk because I don't think they have any players left. The only change that I will make is Lucas Vasquez for uh, Danny Carvajal to go out. And so that is uh, what I believe. But uh, talking about this game, it was a bit nervy again. Uh, Benzema scoring yet another goal. And God forbid, you know, Benzema is the god of this team. I think if anything happens to Benzema, I'm, I swear it's, it's completely over. They have the Classico coming at the weekend at the Di Stefano Stadium again, but the game against Liverpool, I think Liverpool are slight favourites right now. I thought it was a 50-50 clash going into the international break, but now Luis Enrique, I mean, you're going to have a lot of curses coming your way from the Real Madrid players or the Real Madrid fans to be particular. And you know, the first goal, it was a very good goal from uh, uh, Marco Asensio. He will, he actually lost his footing there, but a very good pass from uh, Casemiro into the path of uh, Marco Asensio. Toni Cruz was rested for this game, by the way, and he's going to be playing for uh, Real Madrid again in the, the Champions League game. And I think the key is going to be Real Madrid's midfield because on their day, if, if, they're play if this midfield is clicking, they can win... Real Madrid can win a game against any opposition in the world, I think so. Because this midfield is superior to any midfield that Liverpool can put on the field or Barcelona at the weekend can put on the field um, against them because they don't have that much of quality. I think Luka Modric is playing like he's 25 years of age and Toni Kroos, I think he's he's well rested because he's not been used a lot, an awful lot by Jogi Lowe from, from the German point of view. So, you know, it's going to be a very, very must-watch game for me, actually, because I'm very, very nervous for this game. I, I did predict Liverpool to go through and I still predict Liverpool to go through. By the way, we now go into the Premier League action. Uh, we start off with Liverpool against uh, uh, Liverpool against uh, Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium, and the first half, I think Liverpool actually outplayed Arsenal. And you know, Fabinho coming back into the midfield has completely been a revelation for Thiago Alcantara because now he can focus on getting his passes right. And by the way, Trent Alexander-Arnold, he was completely menacing on the right-hand side, yet again finding the form that he had last season and the season before that. He was uh, brilliant on that right-hand side, pulling out crosses for the front players. And I think Sadio Mane, he will have to give his place for Diogo Jota come the game in the Champions League against Real Madrid because Diogo Jota, how can you keep that man out from your starting eleven right now? So I think it's going to be Diogo Jota, Sadio uh, Mohamed Salah and Roberto Firmino because you can't actually have a substitute for Roberto Firmino and what he does for this team of Liverpool. Uh, I think Salah actually buys his place into the team because he's been tremendous this entire season. I mean, he's been a bit selfish here and there. He's been faceless, but yeah, he's still scoring goals and that's the bottom line. You know, you have to score goals to be in the team and that's what he's done. He's He scored last, uh, last night as well. You know, it was a brilliant goal. It was a mistake from... Uh, from Kirantini that uh, led to that goal. It was a brilliant finish from Mohamed Salah, by the way. Again, Diogo Jota coming in there and making a difference. He made a difference for Portugal in that game against Serbia. He 
got them into a position where they should have won the game. Uh, again, they should have won the game anyways because the because the ball from Cristiano Ronaldo did pass the uh, did pass the goal line, so it should have been a goal if it's a mistake because there were no there was no VAR in that game. But yeah, again, to hell with that, you know. Diogo Jota he scored a lot of headers in in this past couple of weeks. I think he scored both the goals uh, against Serbia through his head. He scored that goal against Luxembourg again from his head, and again he's scoring yet another header. So he's a tremendous error of the ball, given that he's so so small in size. So you know. Uh, Anyways, I think Diogo Jota should start in the midfield. I think Gini Van Alden should be playing. It was a well-deserved rest for Gini Van Alden because he's playing an awful lot for Frank de Boer and Netherlands. So it was, again, a well-deserved rest. Uh, in the midfield, I think it's going to be Thiago Alcantara, uh, Fabinho and uh, Gini Van Alden. In the defence, it's going to be Nat Phillips, uh, Andy Robertson, Trent Alexander-Arnold and uh, Ozan Kabak, who's had a decent run with the Turkish national team and with Liverpool in the recent games. He played. He really did play well against RB Leipzig as well. Uh, in the in the goal, it's going to be the reliable Alisson. You know, he had some terrible games against Leicester and against Manchester City, but you know, he's found his mojo back. I think he's he's uh, gone through that uh, period of uh, disarray where he was not really feeling well. His dad passed away recently. You know, it was a very tragic event for him and his family. A lot of strength on my side to Alisson and his family. But yeah, again, you know, you think that Liverpool might win this game and I'm actually backing Liverpool to win this game. I will be happy if my prediction goes wrong this time, but yeah, you know, I think very much that Liverpool are going to be favourites going into this tie ahead. The second game we're going to talk about is between uh, Leicester City and Manchester City. It was a tremendous game for Manchester City and I think they were completely on a different level than Leicester City. You know, no shame for, um, for Rodgers to actually go out there and, and lose to a very formidable uh, Pep Guardiola side because they were so so good in 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 at the King Power Stadium and Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, what a pass that was! What a pass that for the second goal. He that just threaded that ball through towards Gabriel Jesus and then he cut that back towards Sterling. Sterling attracted two or three players towards him and then the ball went back towards Gabriel Jesus who tucked it in for the second goal. The first goal was again a it was completely topsy-turvy goal, something like that, but, you know, Benjamin Mendy, I felt very happy for him, he got a goal uh, <laughs> to his name, and that's against a very good opposition like uh, Leicester City, who did screw, did school him uh, in that uh, reverse fixture at the Etihad Stadium, where they lost 5-2, uh, where we saw uh, Jamie Vardy hitting a hat-trick as well, so, you know, that's, some, that's a totally different thing to actually talk about, but yeah, again, uh, going back to this game, I, I think it was a well-deserved start for Sergio Aguero, uh, as a centre forward for this team, I think he deserves it. I think he um, he demands that start uh, if he's fit. Uh, you actually play him every single game if he's fit ahead of Gabriel Jesus. Um, it was no Sterling. I think uh, it was a wise move that he played Gabriel Jesus on that right hand uh, on the left hand side, and on the right hand side it was Riyad Mahrez. He played two defensive midfielders as well in. Uh, uh, Fernandinho and Rodri as well but I think Gundogan will return for the Champions League game and if he does not and Pep Guardiola does not actually uh, puzzles this one up I think Manchester City have got this in their hand and they will go through in this tie and to to wrap things up we're going to go to London as West Bromwich Albion put five past uh, Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea you know it was a complete and utter disaster for Jorginho who 
you know, for the first yellow card for Thiago Silva, I think Jorginho was at fault. But the second one, I think Thiago Silva was just late on the ball and completely miscued the the tackle. And, you know, it was a red card. And then, you know, Andres Christensen came in and the one, one man down thing really just hurt Chelsea on the counter from uh, West Bromwich Albion because they were completely menacing. And, you know, the last four or five games, you know, they, they've just scored once. And in at Stamford Bridge, they come in and scoring five. That, that that's completely absurd. And you know, Callum Robinson for that third goal, it was a very good finish and a very good cross as well. Uh, Callum Robinson, as I said, got two. There were two goals from Mateus Pereira, who had a star game. A goal for him by Diagne as well, who actually he looks like Mario Balotelli. You know, if you actually look at him very closely. But. Uh, but again, it's uh, it's going to be a huge task for Sam Allardyce to keep West Bromwich Albion in the in the Premier League next season because uh, the, he has to get over uh, Fulham and Newcastle, and he's seven points away from safety, which is not going to be an easy task to overcome come the end come the end of the season as well. So, you know, all the best to him. You know, he has a record of not being relegated. Uh, in his entire managerial career so i hope it stays intact but yeah again you know it's going to take a very huge task and as for chelsea this really opens the door for a lot of teams around them you know if west ham win their game tomorrow they will join the, the top four race again they will be in the third place if tottenham win their game against uh, against newcastle tomorrow i guess it's newcastle again i'm not too sure about it uh, but yeah, again, Tottenham, yeah, it's against Newcastle. So if, when, when they play Newcastle, if they win against them, they are into the top four because they have a better goal difference than Chelsea. And yeah, you have to hope for West Ham to lose again. And I think that Leicester City are not that much, uh, that, not that safe, actually, sitting on third as well with 56 points. I don't hope that. I, I hope, actually, that... Uh, uh, they don't buckle it down just like last season when they completely capitulated come the end of the season. Uh, so that's all for the for the Premier League for now. And it is a ciao from me. It is a goodbye from me. And we'll cover the Champions League as well because it's going to be a, a a hell of a night, a hell of a two nights actually for me because Liverpool, I think, are going to go through. I hope I'm wrong again. But yeah, again... It's 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 going to be a hell of a two days in the Champions League first legs. We're also going to have the Classic of the weekend. We're going to have Tottenham taking on Manchester United uh, at the, in in London at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So we're in for a very big weekend. But before that, we need to go through the uh, through the midweek games in the Champions League. Uh, a huge shout out to Real Sociedad on winning the Copa del Rey final of last season. Uh, which they played yesterday against Athletic Bilbao. Uh, uh, a tremendous game. Uh, the two sides were separated by a Mikel Oerzabal penalty. And again, widely deserved. Uh, huge congratulations and a lots of, lots of love to the Real Sociedad family. Uh, so I conclude and I leave all of you here. And if you like this podcast, please try and spread it out, spread the word. Uh, Again, it's not for money or to gather fame, but I want a lot of people to actually look, listen at me and, uh, and, crit and actually leave their critics over. And again, you know, it's been a pleasure recording this pod. Thank you very much.